Welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today we're going to talk all about opera outreach. So opera outreach is usually a portion of an opera company will go out and they will work with schools and the community that are local to the opera house or the opera company and teach them about opera. It's a lot more informal than just bringing people into the opera house to see a full opera. Instead, it's much more collaborative and inventive usually. Yeah, you're likely to find opera outreach programs with large opera houses, with medium opera houses. Sometimes it's part of a young artist program. They'll have an element of concerts, and that also includes, you know, children's operas and any sort of community outreach program that is bringing your local community into the world of opera. Yeah, so we're going to tell you all about what they are, the benefits of joining them, and then we're going to have a little conversation with uh, a good friend of the podcast who has done a lot of work in opera outreach. But before we jump into those, we've got a couple of announcements. All right, friends, if you follow us on social media, then you already know that yesterday we launched our 30-day practice challenge. Now, if you guys have just like zoned out for a week, that's okay. I would say today's probably like the last, last day to join if you're listening to this on Tuesday. But It's going to be a ton of fun. Thank you. We had like well over, I think we're at like 60 people signed up. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. Right? There's a huge group of us doing this practice challenge. And so I'm just super excited. Go check out our Instagram for more info if you want to last a minute join. But I cannot wait. I'm super excited. We also have our watch party coming up this Saturday at 5 Pacific 8 Eastern on Discord. Obviously, it's February. Welcome to February. Love is in the air. So this opera watch party is going to be very lovey-dovey. We're doing a little Valentine's Day themed opera watch party. So you can go vote in our stories tomorrow. Once again, we'll be watching it on Saturday, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern on our Discord. And then in the Valentine's Day spirit, we are releasing some very funny Valentine's Day e-cards. And now those are going to be $5. You get a ton of them. You can customize them or use the little captions that we've included. And those are only $5 in our Opera Offstage shop. You can find those at opera-offstage.com. Um, and you can print them from home and send them as a funny Valentine's Day card to friends, to family, to fellow musicians. We have some really cute ones to send to like a teacher or director. So <laughs> Jesse, who will you be sending one of these to? I, I have a lot of friends from my grad school days. So I've got a, a group of the the Elviras, as I've called them, because I, I understudied a double cast of uh, Don Giovanni. So I'm going to send them to my Elviras. Yes, I'm definitely sending one to my past voice teachers. And uh, some of them are like a little little winky face. So I'm going to send one of those to my boyfriend too, because they're just so funny. They're all based <laughs> off of singers, composers, artists um, with fun little jokes. So check those out. And as we mentioned earlier, this episode, so we've, we're going to have a guest on the episode in, in not too long. But the episode was actually inspired by our listener Sophie from the UK, who reached out to us and and asked us to talk more about opera outreach and we were so excited it was such a good idea and since she had much more experience in it than we did uh, it was very fun to have her come on and talk to us but if you have a topic you'd like for us to cover please send us an email on operaoffstage at gmail.com or reach out to us on any of our other social media because we are always looking for new topics and you never know 
Great. And our most exciting announcement is that our team is expanding, you guys. We brought on my dear friend Emily to be our administrator, and we're so excited. We've been working alongside her um, since December, and she's been wonderful and has definitely kept Jesse and I very organized. So without further ado, <laughs> welcome, Em. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Come on. Um, I am so excited to be joining the team. So thank you so much for having me on, even for this little snippet. Hello, everybody. Hello, Opera Offstage podcast crew. I'm so excited to be doing kind of the admin work. So if you shoot us an email, you'll probably say hello to me. We are so excited to have you on the podcast and as part of the team. We were very excited with all the attention we got in our first year of podcasting, but we have certainly been overwhelmed. So we are so happy to add uh, such a wonderful person to the team. Why don't you let everyone know a little bit more about your background with music? Obviously, you went to school with Michelle at Boston Conservatory and you studied opera, but tell me a little more about it. Oh, totally. Um, So I met this like weird person online who was looking for a roommate <laughs> who was also going to the Boston Conservatory, and she ended up being awesome and super cool and very talented. And obviously, wow. y'all started a... <laughs> Listen, I know, I know how to kiss up to you, all right? I know, I know, I know the words. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, I went to the Boston Conservatory, did the same program as Michelle, um, did the voice performance track, um, and kind of turned into, like, more of an admin path for me. I worked at Apple for a little bit, and now I'm getting back into music. I work for Arts Laureate, a recording company for classical musicians, and I love it. So, you know, feel free to touch base or ask me any questions on anything admin related. I am here for it. And I am so excited to be joining the Opera Offstage podcast, but not only just the podcast itself, but like this dream duo <laughs> is going to become, I, I'm like so honored that you've let me into like your inner circle. We're just oh one big gosh. circle of love. Dweebs. Our, our inner circle of two, yeah, has expanded <laughs> to three. Jesse, our little family is expanding. Wow. We're going to have to send out Christmas cards next year. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us to introduce yourself. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast. Emily is a dear friend, and she's also freaking hilarious, so we'll surely have her on <laughs> at some point. So thanks for saying hi. Of course. So let's talk about some of the reasons you should be doing opera outreach, especially if you're a younger musician. Definitely. So opera outreach is something that's really cool and that it benefits young musicians. It's great stepping stone towards greater career goals, kind of picking up different skills, working outside of the box. And then it also obviously really benefits the community. It benefits musical lit literacy. It benefits just the general public's perception of opera. So let's kind of talk about the young musician side first. Obviously, if you are with a mid to high level opera company, usually you get paid. Even if you're part of a YAP program, sometimes they have a smaller group of the young artists who are going out and doing this opera outreach that get an additional stipend. Um, so it can be a great revenue income stream, especially during the summer months when a lot of these sort of programs are kind of at the beginning of an academic year when all of this kind of stuff is happening. The other great benefit is that sometimes we find ourselves in periods of we weren't accepted to a young artist program, we're maybe looking at applying to grad school and need a couple more things on our resume. 
Sometimes you're looking for just something to do, some opportunity to perform or exercise another skill. And so opera outreach programs can be a really great stepping stone when you're kind of that pre-professional time of life, but you're looking to add something to what it is that you're doing. And opera outreach programs are really great on a resume. They can be a great way to transition from one period to another. And there are opera outreach programs that will be good for you at different levels in your career. Michelle and I were part of an unpaid opera outreach committee for LA Opera, but it was still really good for us because we got to meet tons and tons of new people uh, who worked inside of LA Opera. We got to meet the artistic director of LA Opera and have a meal with him. Yeah, it was super cool. (laughs) Which brings up a a great point. There are tons of networking benefits. You never know who you're going to meet in these programs, and it can be a super helpful way to, once again, get your foot in the door with some people you might not meet or work with otherwise until you're a little further along. Oh, yeah, it's great networking benefits. Um, It was so funny. After doing that um, college advisory committee the following summer, some people from our school went to the NOA convention in Santa Barbara, and the director of the college advisory committee was there presenting on something. And so I went up to her afterwards and was like, hey, I was one of your college advisor people. And like, do you remember me? And she's like, oh, my gosh. We literally took a picture together because she was so excited that one of her, um, you know, kids was there. Um, and it was just a super cool interaction. And she introduced me to one of the other professors that was she was presenting with. So you never know who you're going to run into, um, even when you're working with other young artists. Like, you never know what they're going to be in five years. So it's a really great chance to meet a bunch of different people your age, people who have more experience than you, people who are have the jobs that you want to have in five to 10 years. So they're a really, really great way to expand your network. Yeah. And you know what? You can also really expand your skill set because the the things you'll be doing in Opera Outreach aren't solely going out and performing for some of these groups, although you will do that. But you'll also be using things like composition and working on lyrics and talking more about, you know, little things about music that ch- children might not know yet. But it's it's much more collaborative. And it's going to teach you a lot about your people skills, too, because a lot of being a professional performer is <laughs> is learning how to talk to large groups of people and get them to come to events and get them uh, to be interested in the thing you do. So it's a great way to get more comfortable with that. Definitely. And a lot of the times you have the opportunity to work on the admin side, which means that you get a really great view of the behind the scenes of working in an opera house and putting on opera. And I think that every musician should have this experience because, you know, even if you're a singer and you're at a young artist program and their version of opera outreach is really just singing for like a large group of donors, like that's so different from another potential outreach program that might be you know, taking famous arias, translating them into English and resetting them to a children's story. You know what I mean? And sometimes you're the one who's helping compose and figure out the way that everything meshes together. Sometimes you're the one that's working on changing the lyrics to these famous arias. Sometimes you're the person who's helping with marketing. You're carrying keyboards from different rooms. You're very much in an immersive setting set-wise. And so it's a really, really great way to kind of connect with your more educator side and really kind of take an appreciation for showing people, especially people sometimes for the first time, the beauty and the art that is opera. Even if it's just you're singing famous arias in English set to like old MacDonald had a farm story, (laughs) you know? (laughs) 
Exactly. And it's a real opportunity to actually connect with your community. Because that's a huge problem for opera is that it's often seen as separated from the communities it actually inhabits. And breaking down those walls is some of the most important work you can do. Yeah, definitely. And just the way that you would network with the other young artists you're performing with or working with and with the directors of these programs, it's also a great time to network with the people in your community that you are performing for, whether that's a group of donors, whether that's a group of parents whose children are watching your children's opera. You know, it's the same kind of vibe with church jobs, right? We Lots of times we take them because we know we're going to be asked to sing at XYZ events because of the people that see us sing all the time. So definitely take the opportunity to network with your community as well. Yeah, you never know where you're going to find new opportunities. Uh, there's a lot of importance to the to opera outreach at a community level. And there's a lot of benefits, both for the community and yourself, on working on it at You know, right now, I think we're all so online that there's no sense of local community anymore. It's not true. But when you can't go out, it kind of feels like it, which is all the reason it's going to be more important when we are able to go out again, that we rebuild that community. There is an immense opportunity. But one of the best things about performing locally and performing for the kinds of people opera outreach hits is they are the best audiences. 100%. They are usually people who know nothing about what you do. They are frequently children or they might be older, but they don't have a lot of knowledge about opera, which means they're just there to have a good time. They're just there to party. (laughs) Exactly. And bop to some cool music. But yeah, so let's dive a little bit into the importance of opera outreach as it relates to the community. There's so many benefits. You know, I think we all recognize that... Many, if not most of us, are trying to work towards making opera more inclusive, more accessible, more of a welcoming space, someplace that's not so pretentious. Um, And, you know, these opera outreach programs are fundamentally built on that. And I also feel that as a performer, it helps kind of remove some of the ego that you can sometimes build up when you're just doing like main stage professional work. And it allows you to give very freely. It's not about you and your talents necessarily. It's about how am I connecting to the audience and how am I transferring this enjoyment of this art craft that I love to people who might not fully understand it as well as I've studied it for X amount of years. But how do I remove that from the equation and just deliver them a performance they'll enjoy? Yeah, it really allows you to just kind of shed all of that, all of that anxiety and expectation. Yeah, but it also is an opportunity. You know, we always hope that people will invest in our art form and then it allows us to in turn invest back into our communities by offering music education in some form. You know, it's mutual. People will come when they are invested in something. And so as much as we want people to be a part of the music community, we have to be a part of our own communities. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, we touched a little bit on this uh, in our amateur musician episode, but, you know, increased musical literacy and increased musical knowledge at the community level is just the most important thing, right? Because if people aren't interested in music, if people listen to opera and they're like, eh, I've never heard that before, so I'm kind of intimidated by it and I'm not going to engage, Where does that leave us as an industry moving forward? I mean, that's kind of already what has happened and is happening. So programs like this are super important because kids listening to a 
children's opera, no matter how ridiculous and how perhaps removed the main message of these arias are, they're still taking something away. And you can't deny that a child hearing an opera singer for the first time is going to be, without sounding too dramatic, life-changing. Yeah. I mean, that is really the most important time to expose kids to, to new music. But in general, you know, community performances are also just much more accessible than asking somebody to come and sit down through a two and a half hour opera because they tend to be shorter. There are more resources. People stop and explain things during these kinds of talks and um, exhibitions. And it also is more, it's also more participatory. So it's less of like, watch me do this thing and more like, let me show you how I do this thing. Yeah. Um, And people tend to have more fun when they can do things. I remember when I was a little kid and I used to go and see musicals and things. And I remember always being frustrated because like more than watching, I wanted to do it. Yeah. I still get that feeling some days when I watch performances. (laughs) I'm like, I love watching it. But more than that, I want to do it. Definitely. And and so giving that is once again, it, it gets people involved and it gets them invested. And it also takes away a lot of the cost, which can be a huge, you know, if you're not sure you're going to like something, paying money to do it is going to be hard to convince people to do. And so having these opera outreach programs that provide them for either very low or for free, um, for very low costs or for free, very, very helpful into building a larger audience. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, do get people involved, whether it's just immersive in nature or there is some sort of music education element tied to it, especially with kids. And I think that opera outreach programs have the advantage of kind of relieving the pressure that sometimes comes with being involved in music within the confines of school. Like you said, if you don't know if you're going to like it or not, feeling the pressure of getting a grade or having to go to lessons that your mom's forcing you to or something like that is definitely not fun (laughs) and turns a lot of people off. So something like an opera outreach program where it's very much like you can go or you don't have to go is super appealing to a lot of people. One really neat example of of opera outreach or classical music outreach in general is the Lullaby Project at Carnegie Hall where they get either uh, pregnant women or new mothers and fathers, they come together and they work with professional musicians to to write and record a lullaby for their babies, which I think is maybe the cutest thing I've ever heard. Aww. But like that is so special because that kid will grow up with their own lullaby and, you know, they'll remember. They'll, they'll, they won't literally remember, but they'll know. They'll have a connection <laughs> to music um, that they wouldn't have had otherwise. <laughs> be yeah, ruining their my parents. own statement by being like they're babies they can't remember anything those fools can't remember yet imagine playing the lullaby when they're 18 and it's just like do 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 like memory <laughs> unlocked <laughs> yeah i'm sorry but no that's are the their memories thing. the chest from zelda yes that's super cool and i think what a special way to have perhaps non-musician parents join forces with professional musicians to create something beautiful for their child that they'll, you know, the child will cherish, obviously, both then and later in life. But also, like, what a nice little bonding experience for the parents over their new child. And a great little moment of musicality and music creation. Yeah. Yeah, I think the strength of opera outreach programs is that, um, you know, by highlighting and by serving the community, it lacks the 
expectation that you're coming to patrons to make them give you money or asking patrons to come in and buy a ticket or asking patrons to come in and sit in a house that doesn't make them feel included or is an accurate representation of their actual community, right? The point of this is that people are going out to the community rather than forcing the community and expecting the community to come in and spend money. Exactly. Which I think is the key as to why these are so successful and why they're so important. A hundred percent. And now let's talk about how you can actually get involved. Because I didn't really know about opera outreach until basically my senior year of college. Yeah, well, the nice thing is that these opera outreach programs aren't necessarily always as glamorous as, like, you know, being on, like, a main stage production. So a lot of the times they do need people to be involved. So researching and contacting your local company, you know, most places and especially major cities have multiple opera companies. So whether you um, are a little bit more advanced in your career and want to reach out to a high level or you're just kind of, you know... I mean, you, Jesse, you and I were still in undergrad when we did stuff with LA Opera. So there's a lot of flexibility, but check out your local companies and don't be afraid to send cold emails. They do need people. They're looking for volunteer work. They're looking for teaching skills. They're looking for experience working with children. And all of those are great takeaways from opera outreach programs to put on your resume. There are tons of opera outreach programs, too. Like, the thing about it is the LA Opera one was super fun to do, Um but it's also unpaid and it was not a performance one where we would go and perform in certain places. It was more about connecting with college campuses. Um, so you're going to find tons of different opportunities. And so go ahead, feel free to surf through them, ask questions to those groups about like, what would my, you know, what would my job be like? What would I be doing? Um, but you can literally, there are tons in every city. I have a bunch of friends in a bunch of different cities who do opera on tap. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and just start looking up opera outreach in your city. It's It all starts right there. Ask your friends who work in the same city if they know any groups. There are way more than you think. Yeah, and I would also say that if you're in high school or undergrad and you're really looking for opportunities, like maybe getting into young artist programs are just a little bit too expensive or you don't have the time or whatever the reason is, you know, these companies are looking for you know, extracurricular volunteer work. They're looking for any sort of teaching skills. They're looking for any sort of experience with children. And, you know, a lot of us have that coming out of high school or at least one of those things. So using that, even if you don't, even if you're applying to an opera outreach program and you're like, I don't know, my resume is not too big. Can I still apply for this? Like, will they yes. even take me seriously? Yeah, they will. <laughs> they totally will. And like, what? once again, what's the worst thing that happens? They say, oh, we don't think you're ready for this yet. Great. They'll point you in the right direction. Don't even worry about it. Just go ahead and apply. Yeah. But you're right. Highlight any volunteer work you've done, any teaching skills you have, especially experience working with kids. Super, super helpful. And also like any interpersonal skills you have. If you've, if you've worked in the service industry at all, highlight it. <laughs> um, yep. And if, if it does turn out that you're maybe, if you're not sure that you're, you want to commit to something yet, or maybe if you realize that maybe you're not quite ready, ask if you can shadow someone who is working in there. Ask you if you can just go and shadow them for like a couple days, a week or something, and see what they do and see. Once again, people are pretty open to these things. They want more people involved. That's the nature of these groups. Yeah. So even if you're applying for a performance-based one and, you know, whatever the way it works out, they're not accepting you, you can still offer to do other 
aspects of the outreach program. It's again, stepping stones, you know, you may not be ready for the performance side of it, but maybe you can work admin. And then when you get a little more experience, you shift over, you know, people love to move people up from inside the group. Definitely. So as you're researching these different opera companies, I would suggest look under their admin positions. That's usually, or they'll usually have a tab that says get involved, something like that. Check there versus like the auditions <laughs> tab, but usually they're in two different places. So make sure you're applying for the right thing. And then, you know, if you are feeling so inspired, then consider starting your own opera outreach group. You don't have to have a ton of money to do it. Um, a lot of marketing can be done for free through social media and you could just get some singers and, you know, I mean, Jesse, from years of doing choir, we would do outreach-esque work with different <laughs> hospitals and so stuff like that. many high schools in the South. Yeah. In the Midwest, there was the Great Texas Mall Tour from Pepperdine, yes. uh, where we stopped at every mall and every church in Texas. Um, but yeah, Truly. You, you'd you be shocked. I'm, and there are all different forms of opera outreach. It could just be opera outreach at your old school. You know, you could just go in and ask if you could come in and talk to your old choir. It doesn't have to be huge. The most important thing is to just get started. Oh, totally. Yeah. I've gone back to my high school and done lectures. Yeah. I mean, you really think that you're going to offer your, uh, hey, I'm an opera singer. Hey, I'm an instrumentalist or I'm yada yada. Uh, Would you mind if I came and talked to your group about opera or sang or something like that? You think anybody's going to say no? Of course not. They're going to be like, heck yes. An opera singer? What even is that? I want to hear that. Those music teachers are looking for a day off. Give it to them. Go for it. It's... It's worth it for your sake and the community's sake. All right. So we're actually just about ready to to bring on Sophie. But before we, we bring her on, I have something super exciting to announce. We have a new podcast partner and it is Yoga for All Musicians. Yoga for All Musicians is a virtual yoga studio. You might have seen them on Instagram. They cater to the specific like physical and emotional needs of musicians, which is really amazing. The life of a musician can be so, so stressful and their daily Zoom classes are very accessible and very beginner friendly. Yes, I am the beginner and they are in fact (laughs) beginner friendly. (laughs) I'm kind of a yoga newbie, y'all. So I'm super excited about the fact that they offer one free class a week on Sundays. I've been told by so many people to try out yoga and I think it will actually really improve my posture and physical stamina during our 30-day practice challenge. So I'm really, really excited to have them as a partner. Yeah. And they're just a really wonderful group of people. They have this vision to bring wellness and community to musicians, which we all desperately need in these times, which is why we teamed up with them. And they actually are so generous. They are giving us a 15% off code for any of their classes. So use the code OPERA, all caps, to receive your discount at checkout. Visit yogaforallmusicians.com for info on classes, workshops, and community events, which they do all the time. Yep. So if you're looking for a good deal on some yoga classes, once again, get 15% off any of their classes. Use code OPERA at yogaforallmusicians.com. Awesome. So we are so excited to welcome Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes. We're super excited. We're so happy to have you on. Awesome. So, Sophie, you are one of our listeners from the UK, which is super excited. We're really excited to have a listener on to chat with. We've already been chatting with Sophie for a little while behind the scenes, and she's lovely. 
So, Sophie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. So, I'm Sophie Horrocks. Um, I'm a mezzo-soprano, and at the moment I live in Edinburgh in Scotland. I trained in music and singing at the University of Cambridge and then at King's College London. And then I took a few years out and worked in the opera education industry, which you'll be hearing about, with companies such as English National Opera and the Royal Opera House and a few other orchestras in there. And then uh, along that, I did a lot of singing, as so many portfolio artists are doing. And at the moment, I've gone back into studying, actually. I'm doing my doctorate at Durham University in the north of England. And yeah, that's that's me right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations on starting your doctorate. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. What Do you have any idea what your thesis will be for your doctorate? Yeah, I'm looking at touring opera in 19th century France. So sometimes it feels a bit like uh, my, li- my life because it's yeah. singers hopping around <laughs> all over Europe. But it's really interesting. I quite like the historical side of musicology. So that's what it's going to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's super cool. Okay, so you're a mezzo. Jesse, is this the first mezzo we've had on the podcast? <laughs> I believe it is. I think you are wow. our first mezzo on the podcast. Oh, I'm so honored. Oh my gosh. Do you have a, a favorite role that you've performed or, or like an aria or art song that just like makes you so happy? Um, I think my favorite role is Idamante from Idomeneo, which by Mozart, which is also shared with some tenors. But I think it's definitely a mezzo role. I'm going to stick my claim. Listen, you tell them. <laughs> you tell those tenors. As a person who's frequently cast as a small boy, I understand. <laughs> yeah, we've got to fight. Fight for those trousers. Exactly. But it's awesome. So, Sophie, you mentioned that you've worked with English National Opera and Royal Opera House on kind of the community outreach admin kind of stuff. So, Sophie, can you tell us how you got involved with these companies and your experience working with them and just in outreach in general? My first experience was as a singer when I was still at university. There was a program um, run by English Touring Opera and Cambridge, and it was working with adults with dementia and Alzheimer's. And so I volunteered to sing alongside the composer and the librettist and to workshop new songs that we created it was all about like building memories again for people with memory loss and just being a singer on that voluntary project was incredible because for once I got to sing and no one was judging me on my diction or my vowels or anything I was singing to help someone else and you know impact someone else's life Um, and so that really got me thinking about okay well is education and music a career I want to do I tried teaching in the classroom for a while but I really missed like the practical aspect of, of singing with people and the more creative aspect of creating or, or composing. So I thought, okay, well, let's look for jobs in music outreach. And I was lucky in that I was living in London at that time and there's lots of charities and lots of theatres there. And I happened to get a job with English National Opera as an administrator in their Bayless department, it's called, the Learning Participation Department. And as an administrator, I mean, you know, it's a really vague term, but you do everything from organising projects with the team to running up and down school corridors, carrying keyboards around. I company managed some small operas for communities and young people. So you kind of, 
I think in those admin roles, you do a lot of things, which can really give you an insight into the opera industry, even if you're not performing. But as a singer, I've also done a few other projects because a lot of the same artists or directors work in the outreach industry. So once you begin to get to know a few, you can be recommended for some other projects too. That's awesome. That's amazing. But it's a way to participate in music in a way that has like a tangible effect that we don't always get in other ways of performing. It drops some of those barriers between you and your audience, which is very fun. I completely agree. You get something back as well as um, helping people learn and develop that, you know, from the participant side. And often you can actually learn so much about you as a performer. It's really challenging sometimes. You know, we, we had singers performing in school canteens or from the tops of school balconies or in the courtyard or in the gym. And you learn a lot about your instrument and your physical capacity as a singer from these non-stage environments. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, there are different levels of outreach programs depending on which opera company you're working with, and kind of the scale and the location. So what were some things that really stood out to you about English National Opera and Royal Opera House's outreach programs? They are incredibly well designed because they think of the participant at the centre of everything. So all the creative decisions from both the companies that I've worked for were centred around, well, what is the participant going to learn or going to need or going to come away from this project with? So they're not token outreach programmes that are just like, ah, oh, we'll bus in some school kids and they can watch for free. And um, it's, it's about like the learning experience and the interaction between the professional and any sort of non-professional, whether they're an adult or a young person or someone at school. Um, and I think that's what makes a really well thought through creative programme where the participant has come away with something that's tangible and an, a new aspect on opera and also, you know, the world, I think. Because you can you can talk about huge social issues through opera. You can talk about racism, gender equality, um, social equality, and often creative projects, if you springboard from a, a main stage opera, um, for example, we did some at ENO about, um, based on Satyagraha, Philip Glass's opera about peaceful protesting in apartheid in South Africa. And um, or, or you can talk about uh, Me Too and misogyny if you're springboarding from Don Giovanni. And these are all really important topics that we can talk through the lens of an art form about things that affect everyone in society. Yeah. And I think with that kind of collaborative aspect that is that is kind of unique to community outreach and sometimes like interactive element that sometimes you can get, a, get away with in these operas and the way that they're presented, like does make it the message more clear to your audience it's more it's more immediate that way i think than when you are sitting in the nosebleeds of a giant theater with a giant orchestra and you can barely sing the singers on stage like the message that you're trying to get across especially if you choose to do something that is more proponing advocacy does get that message across so much better i think it's very funny that at its heart of what you just described was being considerate of your audience which feels like a thing that would be more common, but it's not. <laughs> but that's, once again, I think that part of outreach that puts you in direct contact with your audience in ways that being up on a stage doesn't, you know? And and there yeah. is a bit more distance in, in more formal ways of performing. And so I think that's kind of a, a beautiful moment to actually get to know your audience a little bit and what, what actually does capture someone's attention. Yeah, it's a more natural way to build trust with your audience. Completely. Yeah. And also with your with your colleagues, 
if you're in challenging or just different situations from normal, um, you have a level of, of trust and of confidence in your other singers, in your director, in your um, conductor. If you're lucky to have one, you know, lots of outreach performances, actually, you're often on your own. But that means that you grow as a musician and as an artist so much more, I think. Yeah, it's definitely a great way to, like, kind of flex those those skills that really you know, when you're thrown and you don't have a conductor and you're like trying to figure out how you can plug in your keyboard in a classroom, like you have to be on your toes, right? I mean, anybody who's worked in administration in the arts knows that you wear as many hats as possible <laughs> and you are like a one man so show. So yeah, it's it's a great opportunity to get some real life experience of what it's like to be a musician and having to have all of these skills and just have them at your fingertips ready to go. Completely. And it's a small reclamation of of that, like you said, like that creativity and that ability to make choices and not completely perform on your own terms. You are still working within another company, but you get to put a piece more of a piece of yourself in than we often do as young artists. You know, we often just take jobs because <laughs> we, we need to get paid and we need to get experience. And so being a part of the whole creative process from considering what you should bring to a school or what you should bring to a certain event. Um, what you'll perform, what, how you'll do it, how you'll get par people participating. There's more of you in it. Completely. And also, it often happens in English more often than on the main stage. So most of the projects I've been involved with, we use translations either specially made for the project or another English translation. And um, I mean, I'm firmly in the camp that accessibility starts with language. So I, I don't see a problem with translating opera. I know other people do, and that's maybe a topic for another episode. But um <laughs> I, I think having that direct verbal communication with someone doesn't need to look at the surtitles, that is a really special experience for an outreach program that you don't usually get on the main stage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's 100% true. I mean, English opera, operas in English are definitely not the favorite of any major opera company. <laughs> so it definitely is nice for the audience to just, I mean, and once again, we're breaking down the barriers with our audience who might not have the privilege to know all of these other languages, right? Obviously, that takes years of study and privilege. So yeah, it's just a great way, especially for kids. Like, you know, kids don't want to do the mental gymnastics of having to read subtitles. It's just too much. They're trying to watch the pretty actors and actresses on stage singing to them. They're trying to follow along with the story. So it is a, a great way to kind of break down those barriers. And increase accessibility to lots of people. It's much easier to adjust when you are not trying to adjust an entire production. So, Sophie, you mentioned that as an administrator that you kind of helped lead some of these projects and kind of put on some of these these shows. What was that like? I mean, what was the learning curve like when you were kind of, you know, having to either compose or or create lyrics, which might not be something that, you know, many singers have to do as part of their daily job as a regular singer. So what was that learning curve like? And what was it like kind of as a young artist being in a position of power to make the decisions? It's exciting and terrifying at the same time <laughs> because there's an amazing amount of freedom in that you are creating alongside the non-professional participants. And so in a way you're having the same experience as them. And that's really freeing because um, we don't have to be 100% perfect in our in the activity that we're doing. So whether that's trying to compose or come up with words or or thinking about how you're going to do choreography to this piece of music. But you do have to balance that because obviously you are the professional and you are adding value to their experience. So you do have to be 
three steps ahead and have three options to help your group of you know 16 year olds work something out or if they create something your role is to add value to that by can you tweak this to make it sound more like the style of music you're trying to compose for or can you think of a better rhyme for this word so it's a really interesting balance of kind of being the the best artistic creator that you can ever be to lead people and also be on their level and I think a lot like in teaching as well you are friendly but you're not quite their friend you're still that guide and that mentor and especially if that's another adult you know you, you can't be condescending or patronizing so there's an attitude that, of flexibility and I think of just humility that you have to bring to every project and I think that's that's really good for any artist to learn oh yeah <laughs> you need to know how to collaborate in a polite and respectful way which uh some singers are not so great at so maybe everybody should do outreach <laughs> to learn that skill i mean don't get me wrong we're not all like saints we all go and have a big drink and a laugh afterwards <laughs> and you know you learn from what you did wrong um <laughs> Yeah, show yeah. must go on. <laughs> but you're also going to walk away with some good stories. Anytime yes. you wor work with children, oh yeah, you're always going to walk away with a good story. And when you work with these groups, you do learn and adapt. And and once again, that's only going to make you stronger in general because as you become an artist, like you don't stop networking. You don't stop reaching out to community groups. You don't stop going to fundraisers and galas and all of these different events where you will be using those same skills. Yeah. Absolutely. We've discussed a lot of the really amazing opportunities that both the community and, you know, artists can get out of these outreach programs. But I think that we also need to kind of discuss the unpleasant sides that can come about certain outreach programs, which I think mainly has to do with more of like trying to get people in the door than actually serving the community um, or honestly using young artists as like cheap labor. Uh, to get the word out about these companies. So um, I think it'd be interesting to kind of just discuss the the cons of outreach programs and maybe how, you know, if somebody were interested to make their own outreach program, even on like a small scale of things to avoid when making an outreach program. Do you have any thoughts on that, Sophie? Yeah, I think, as you said, Michelle, um, it's it has to be a non-tokenistic project and it has to be a fully professional musical project. So if, if, you're, if you want professional artists, of course, it has to be a level of pay that reflects that, um, as, as you said. And that's what we'd hope for in any part of the opera industry, I think, at the moment. Um, if you are a young artist and you're looking out and you're thinking, do I want to be involved in a particular project? It's always best to think, do they have the best intentions of the participant at, at heart? Is it, if, if it's something that is not adding to the participant's experience, then it's probably just a cheap ticket or it's it's just getting bums on seats. You know, I wouldn't call that a, a fully um, creative participatory experience. So um, if as a young artist, you're looking to avoid cons and, and make your own, um, you could start with, okay, well, how am I going to add to this operatic piece or the discussion about this social issue through my project? And it's always better to, you know, if you have constraints, go with a smaller group of participants and do deeper work than try to get 100 people through the door and do very, very uh, superficial work with them. 
I think also if you if you know you wear your heart on your sleeve, a con could also be that you get way too attached to participants or to the the themes that you're bringing up in a project. You know, if you I did a project once where we used Porgy and Bess as a springboard, and the young people wrote new songs about gentrification in London, and you know their home space is being taken away from them because of um, the commercialization and the urbanization of their districts and their boroughs. And that was a really, really emotional time for them. And you as the participant, you have to be still the teacher and still the leader. And, and you have to not get swept away into any of that, you know, important work that's happening through music. So I think as long as you can keep some distance and basic teaching etiquette, you know, not get too involved, but provide the space for them, the participants, that is, to have the best experience, then I think you'll be all right. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I think I think probably one of the things that it comes down to is having purpose and having a clear goal of what you're trying to accomplish, both with your artists, with the story that you're trying to tell, and what value you're bringing to your community. And I think if any of those three elements are missing from an outreach program's like clear goal that they're constantly checking in with, that's where we can get kind of squirrely, so to speak, because I think... Sometimes when we do like young artist programs during the summer, outreach programs or things that are kind of advertised to applying artists as outreach programs are really just kind of thoughtless benefit concerts, you know, and that doesn't really provide a ton of value to the artists, but like really doesn't provide any value to your community. I think the biggest thing is the people that you invite to come and see your outreach program should not leave feeling like, yeah, I they basically wanted me there to give them money. I was there in the audience to write a check, you know, and that's that's the that's the big thing we're all trying to avoid and fix. <laughs> I think you brought up another really good point, though, which is having, like you said, good boundaries with the people who you are doing the outreach with, but also having decent boundaries with who you're working for. You know, it's very easy when you do some of these projects to let people pile on job after job after job on you because sometimes in these you are you have a somewhat more vague and undefined title as what you do within this group. And so it's very easy for them to ask you to do dozens of things and pick up the slack of other people. So good boundaries all around <laughs> uh, is a is a great way to avoid a bad experience. Definitely. And then to end on a positive, Sophie, do you have any favorite memories of doing an outreach program, whether it was a, a project specifically or maybe an interaction with a person you were performing for? Anything like that? I have two, if that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, great. I have this great memory from a um, a school pop-up tour that we did in London. The program was called Opera Squad, and it was bringing scenes um, by young artists into um, schools and so trying try to perform to as many people in very weird environments like corridors, canteens, everything. And we had a performance once which was there was like this balcony in the school that overlooked the outside area where they did PE, like gym. And um, there was about, I'd say like 200 people, just uh, students in the gym. And Above, we put this singer, this young artist, who um, he looked like a rock star. He had this, you know, long ponytail that, and this long beard. That was just him. And the the 
the students are dim, like they had no idea what was going on. And then the scene from Lucia de Lammermuir started. And so obviously everyone was very confused because they were like, oh, classical music, oh, what, what, have they, what have they brought to the school? And um, I just remember that this, this amazing Hungarian baritone, the sound of his voice, honestly, it made everyone, 200 kids turn around, look up to the balcony. And he was standing there with his big ponytail, singing like Donizetti classical music, so so loudly that everyone i th i think i saw like bags drop from their hands and they were just transfixed for a whole like three and a half minutes of this song because he looked like the coolest rock god you would ever know singing donizetti and i was like this is not an experience i'm gonna have many many times <laughs> so <it's> just <laughs> watching like the watching the operatic power to shock which i think we've lost when we go and we sit in our theater seat um but like the operatic voice is so amazing. It's so raw, it's so powerful, that if you're not used to hearing that, it can be so shocking and, and so freeing. I love so, yeah, everything so, oh, about that. <laughs> you probably had to be there to really feel it. But um, so yeah, like the operatic outreach gives you larger than life experiences or really intimate experiences. And the other example was still from my the first program I ever volunteered for with um, working with this lady with dementia and I just sat next to her and would be singing the songs that she hopefully would recognize from her past and I remember her husband coming up to me after a performance and just be really thankful because he'd he'd seen part of his wife that he'd lost because of the illness uh, in her performance when she was sitting next to me in this this great, you know, singing and songwriting project. And that just meant a lot because I, I hadn't done anything. I'd just been there to see her have a musical experience. But that had brought her closer to her husband, um, you know, and helped her through this horrible illness. So that's like a really intimate moment that also I think will stay with me for a while. That's, that's so sweet. Yeah. I mean, that definitely brings up a very lovely kind of human aspect to outreach work is yes you might be if you're a performer you know being an artist and doing your craft but at the same time you are a facilitator in nurturing an audience members you know either like new love for music or just rediscovery of music and that is one of the most raw and important ways to share music you know that's beautiful. Also, I feel inspired to become a, a rock god <laughs> of opera. Uh, <laughs> truly. I know. <laughs> I feel like I my, I'm incomplete until I reach there. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Sophie, do you have any place where people can, can see more uh, of you talking about opera? Definitely. Um, I have a website as a mezzo. You can find that through Google. I mean, it's very basic, but I, I need to do some work on it. It's on my long list. Um, but I also, you can find me through the University of Durham, which is D-U-R-H-A-M. And I've got a contact sheet on there and I get anything that comes through there. So if anyone does want to talk about opera outreach or opera research, uh, I am on the other end of uh, an email. Perfect. And we will have the links to reach out to Sophie in the show notes. And if you are interested in opera outreach if you're interested um, in creating an outreach program or just think that it might be a really great step in your career 
please reach out to Sophie. She's lovely to talk to and has many answers. So Sophie, it was so lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It, it was lovely. Thank you. So that's it for us this week, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.